Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. and welcome to the first episode of our brand spanking new series, The Proper Class Podcast. I am, of course, Laura Checkley. And I'm Hannah Chiswick. And we are back, baby, to celebrate all things working class, because if we don't, who the bloody hell will, Ellie? Who's Ellie? (laughs) Sorry. I've literally just binged the whole of The Last of Us. Are you watching it? Not yet. I'm starting tonight. Ellie is an icon. That's all you need to know about Ellie. Thank you. As always, we sit down with a working class hero to celebrate their life and achievements and discuss just how they got to where they are today. So, on that note, Law, who are we celebrating this week? We are kicking things off right this series, let me tell you. Now, one might say that I've been pretty persistent in trying to, uh, uh, what's the word, encourage this week's guest mm. into coming onto the show. I mean, she might say uh, she was hounded or bullied or, or indeed forced into doing it. But, you know, potato, potato, see you in court and all that. I've got her, and even if it's to finally get rid of me, and I don't give a rat's behind if if that is the case, but she's here, and she's a belter, folks. Well, who is it, please? (laughs) Right, sorry, yeah. This week's guest is quite literally the busiest gal in showbiz, and I'm not at all surprised because she is stupidly talented. She's an award-winning actress, writer and director. In 2017, she was listed as one of Europe's Forbes 30 Under 30, and in that same year was also named a BAFTA Breakthrough Brit. And then in that same year again, she won an RTS Award for Best Performance in Crazy Head. Jesus. Didn't she also just win Best Breakthrough at the National Comedy Awards? Yeah, she did. Crikey, what a terrible time she seems to be having. Lazy, lazy. (laughs) This week's guest has been gracing our screens for nearly a decade now in shows like, and this honestly is only scratching the surface, Chewing Gum, Crashing, Porters, Bluestone 4-2, Zapped, Year of the Rabbit, Truth Seekers, Peacock, and most recently, The Brilliant Cheaters. Oh, my God, I need to watch that. My uh, fiancé, Claire. Fiancé? You just wanted to say fiancé, I did just you? want yeah, to say fiancé. She's literally <laughs> obsessed with that show. Literally obsessed with it. No stranger to the big screen either. This week's guest has starred in In Between Us 2, Save the Cinema, The Loneliest Boy in the World, The Beautiful Game, and, of course, not forgetting the Netflix hit, Enola Holmes 1 and 2. And she is a damn fine 
fine stage actress too, currently in rehearsals for Never Have I Ever, soon to be seen at the Chichester Festival. But long before all of that, she has been treading the boards all over the shop, mate. Regent's Park, where she played Bottom in A Midsummer Night's Dream. I'd love to see that. Uh, she's done The Royal Court, Sheffield Crucible, Donmar Warehouse, Manchester Royal Exchange, West End, and of course, the bloody national darling. And she's even made it over to Broadway too in Phila Lloyd's production of Julius Caesar. I mean, anyone would be happy with that look when they were turning 80. I know, and you're definitely. I get the feeling she's actually just getting started. No, she is actually just getting started. Lads, I have long admired this week's guest work from afar. She's without a doubt one of the most exciting talents this country has to offer, and it's wonderful to see her shining so brightly, especially because she's one of us working class gals. Listeners, please give a very warm, proper class podcast welcome to Comedy Ledge and soon to be my new best friend, Susan McComber. <laughs> I think we're lucky she's still here and not run she's away gone. from you. Hello, Susan, where are you? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> That was unbelievable. Like, I, feel I like, told you it'd be excruciating. Oh my god, that was like that was like I don't know that that felt like being, you know, like being born but like backwards. It felt like being shoved back <laughs> into the womb very violently. I tell you, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Welcome. Thank you. No, but do you honestly sit there and go, oh fuck yeah, I forgot I did that. I am now getting to the point where because I used to. <laughs> I used to have a really good memory. I'm now getting at the point where I'm like, did I do that? Was I in that? Oh, it was. Yeah. Because you know when you meet, yeah. when you're starting out, you meet older actors and they go, they just genuinely don't remember what they've done. Yeah. And I I'm, remember you sometimes. I've, I've met older actors in bars and gone, hi, love. And they're yeah. like, I'm so sorry. Which job? Where was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Fair, like, fair enough, because that's how I'm getting now. That's how I'm getting now. Yeah. So I do feel a bit like, yeah. That did. That was a bit of an out body experience. Thank you. Is it nice to hear it? Like you go, like, oh, actually, blimey, that's all right. Yeah, because I feel like as an actor, you're sort of, uh, you're definitely just trying to get by day by day. It's like a real kind sure. of process of just one foot in front of the other. So when somebody goes, "This is what you've done," especially because it wasn't like on the cards <laughs> it wasn't like no, there was no. like a lineage that I was just picking up the baton and going and now and now it's my time my so, turn yeah, yeah yeah so it does feel a bit mad it feels yeah which mad. Ma- I mean, it makes it even more incredible I think you know like and also didn't you like you you've literally only graduated when because you went to RADA right which I we'll get to, to later <laughs> I really want to talk to you about RADA I really want to talk to you about RADA yeah. um we probably both do right um but yeah like I, I was looking at that and I was going back to when you like graduate and I was like, she's done all of that in that amount of time. What the fuck? Like, it's truly, honestly, incredible and you should be super proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. Let's start off like we do uh, every episode and we always ask our guests if they could take us back to a time and place that connects them to their working class roots. Uh, where would you take us? I would take you back to <laughs> Elephant and Castle Shopping Centre. Yeah. Rest oh, in yes. peace. We love it there. I literally love <laughs> it. It's gone now. It's gone. I know. I know. Gutting. Gutting. Gutted. I offered a load of flats in it. It's just posh flats as well. Yeah, yeah flats, really yeah. ugly like space now. But oh my god! So I went to. I went to three different primary schools. So I was born in Peckham, then we moved to Camberwell and then s- sort of settled around uh, just off Wharf Road in between Kennet and Wharf Road. And my primary school, St. John's Woolworth, which has also closed down. I only found this out last oh, year right. because um, it's like a, it's like 
a 150 year old school like the church there's like a little church attached to it it's been there 150 years and it's closed down because um there's no families in the yeah, area yeah i was thinking that there's none yeah, yeah none yeah, in that, that area sense. so there wasn't That's enough sad. kids to go so it's all closed down but what i used to do is after school i would walk from uh Worth road down to Edfordham castle and it was just like it was like Hollywood to me. The bright lights of W.H. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smith, Woolworths. I bought my first <laughs> CD the there. The yeah. bright lights, the twinkling lights, a peacock. So I used to be like, oh, one day I'll buy that vest, the three and three, three for two vests. One day. You loved a bit of peacock. I'm not being funny. I still love you a peacock. You got many a dress still love from peacock. I still yeah. love a peacock. Because it went to catalogue and you love a catalogue, didn't you? Well, you did do anyway. I did love a catalogue, yeah. yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, we so love Little Woods. My mum buying my mum buying sofas that she really yeah, could like not still afford. paying them off, still yeah, paying still them off. Paying them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have to pay for it for three years, but you will eventually have to pay for it, mum. That's it's only fifty p a week, yeah, <laughs> for the rest of your life. Well, I nearly did get my mortgage because it turned out once in nineteen ninety six I hadn't paid back Littlewoods for a pair of jeans. <laughs> They were like, there's a default on your credit file. I was like, what is this? And it was for like some 12 99 jeans. From like, it's, I nearly didn't get the mortgage. I was like, only me. I was like, did you once take out something with a little whiz? I was like, oh, for God's yeah, sake. Oh, that's <laughs> anyway, carry on. We're at Elephant and Castle. We're at Elephant and Castle. No, I just loved it there. And because you had the bowling alley right at the top. And yes. then you had Woolworths, which, you know, sweets that you used to nick. You always yeah. did. Uh, they were there. They were asking for it. Full of germs. It doesn't Full matter. Of germs. Full of germs. We loved it. It made us resilient. And then <laughs> my favourite shop, which actually was still, when it closed down in 2021, I think, or was it last year? I can't remember. Um, it was still there. It was Price Busters. Now, I've got a thing for like, what do they call them? They're sort of those shops where you can buy like a dustpan and brush, um, chocolate. Oh, my God. Shoes and we're exactly the same. Yes. Like it's our I when we get a coffee, our ideal afternoon is going out, coffee, and going to what we called an old tut shop. Full of old tut. Full of old tut. Full of old tut, yeah. We used to call it a, a bric a brac shop. Which yeah. Was just yeah. Like, full of old tut, yeah. Full of old tut. It was like my dream. They used to be like these really smelly diaries. That was really in. Like yeah. the, the, the <laughs> diary pages smelt like, like bubblegum flavour. Yeah, yeah, bubblegum flavour, a bit musty. <laughs> I used to be in there for, like, honestly, how would, they used to just let me and I was just flicking through, like, those massive pencils with fluffy tops on them. And I'd be like, oh one day, gosh, one day I'll be one able to get one <laughs> It was, like, my happy place. And I did still, like, well into adulthood. We used to go back there and just walk around. So, yeah, Elephant and Castle Shopping Centre is... Oh, it's a bit of sadness about that. That was like a real, to me, that was like when I, I'm a South London girl and that was like the gateway you knew were heading south. Yes. Like you'd get to Elephant and you'd be like, I'm in my bit of London now. Turn left at Elephant, down the Woolworth Road. And I was like, yeah, I'm heading back to my bit of London. I love it. And I sort of went, I took my son, I live out of London now, and I was driving past, I didn't know. And I was like, oh, Isaac, I'm going to show you this, like this really cool place called Elephant and Castle. And there's an actual, and I was like, oh. Gone. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it it's felt gone. like it's real, really transient. Really, now. really sad. Yeah. But do you know what? That, we got so um, when I was about fourteen. We got plans through the door from Southwark Council saying, "Hey, we're going to spruce up Elephant Castle Shopping Centre. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." And I was like, "Yeah, it deserves a bit of love." And it has yeah, taken. Sure. It's taken this long for them 
to do anything. I remember yeah. they did have one red nose day where they were like, we're going to paint the whole thing red. And they ran out of red paint. So it was half red for years. So let's take you back to school then. So you said you went to school down the old Kent Road. I know you said a couple of primary schools. What was yeah. your, did you go to sort of state senior school? Yeah, I went to a state, uh, state senior school, high school um, called St. Saviour's and St. Olaf's, which is just on the, yeah. it's like the roundabout before it goes on to Old Kent See, Road. that sounds posh to me. Like, because well, it's all, you know, you know St. Something. They, well, they were quite trying posh, it. They? they were trying it in our school. <laughs> they were like, you ladies are diamonds <laughs> in the rough. And we were like <laughs> fighting with like Notre Dame and all the other girls' <laughs> schools in the area. We're like, yeah, sure, we're ladies. Yeah, 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 got it. Like proper going to Bacon's College and having fisticuffs down there. It was stupid. But opposite us, directly across the road, was another school uh, called, God bless it, Geoffrey Chaucer, which was one of the worst schools in London, directly opposite us. So we'd be like, right. we're ladies, we're ladies. And they would just be like <laughs> screaming over there. But my brother went to that school. So I would be like, oh, I'm a lady. And then my brother would be like, Sue, can we go home? And I'd be like, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady, I'm not a lady. <laughs> and so like, we were really, really trying it. But I didn't hate school. I really just had no time for it. Were you academic? Were you, did you? I did this thing where I'd pretend to be academic and then everybody believed that I was and then it took me a while to realize that that was acting <laughs> yeah sure did you get did, were you like desperate for a pair of glasses because like growing up like having a pair of glasses you were clever oh, I still my gosh. think that now I think oh she looks clever but they took us on mass to um spec savers on Woolworth Road and when I was in primary school to get our eyes tested and I <laughs> I crossed my eyes I was like oh I think that's a hey uh, I think it's a is that a J and they're like it's a Z I was like oh no I think I'm gonna have to get some glasses so I've got glasses <laughs> Because I'm called Susan, I should wear glasses. Right? So, oh, my God. Come Susan, on. honestly, when I was 14, I did exactly the same thing. But I, I, I said I was having really bad headaches. Did and I got you? these, like, like they were like bottom of the bottle, kind of, you know, like real round. <laughs> like At the time, I thought these round were really cool. But then they started giving me headaches. Yes. And then my mum was like, I thought the head... I was like, yeah, so I sort of lied. Cause, but they would give me really bad headaches. Oh yeah, so God. I wore glasses. Idiot. Yeah, and I was 14, so I thought, I look really clever. That's so funny. I know. I loved it. But to be honest, I, I did want to wear the glasses, but... It was because they had um, the glasses were in those glasses cases that you could like clip onto your jeans and it was really colourful oh, yeah. plastic. I actually wanted that. And as a result of wearing glasses for so long when I didn't need them, I now need glasses. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so God. Messed up my eyes. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. But yeah, I sort of just, not that I sort of lied, but I just sort of sat straighter. And everyone was like, yeah, Susan's clever. But like, I, I didn't have that much to show for it. <laughs> but everyone just thought I was really smart. It was funny. It was really strange. <laughs> and were you doing drama at school? How did all that start? What's the start of your sort of um, acting? The start of it, I didn't really do that much drama. I did do, in the end, I did do GCSE drama. But the way that it happened was actually because I had like this addiction, which I think could have grown into gambling, but it didn't, which is good. I, I would like apply, I would like enter competitions and I would like win them. I just oh have a God. lucky streak as a kid. So what, like, like phone, phone in ones, like phone in ones. 
I once applied for a competition to win a, a bus pass for a year and I got it. Like, <gasps> yes! it was re- just really strange. Oh. Magazine thing. I did this thing for Ms. Magazine where it was just like, um, take pictures of your friends and the best pictures, you win a photo shoot. In year seven, I didn't know anyone. I just went to five girls and I was like, I bought a black and white camera from Boots. Let's go in the playground. Let's go. We did it. We won. Went to Planet Hollywood oh for lunch. Did a photo Stop shoot. It. We were on the front cover of Miz. It was nuts. Oh my God. Have it you got nuts. that? Have you still got that? Have you got I a do, copy actually, of it? Still, I do still have that it. That is so amazing. <laughs> With these like other girls from South East London, we just barely knew each other. We were like two, two terms in and I was like, these are my best friends. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Modelling. I'm like, I don't Miz. think I've really won anything. Like, I, any, I don't do the lottery, but when I do do it on the odd occasion, I think I'm yeah. going to fucking win because, you know, I don't usually do it and I'm doing it and there's a reason I'm doing it today. Yeah. If not one, though, Claire, Claire calls in. She goes in this morning and she's like, I think I'm going to win this today. Oh, really? Like, yeah, oh, she wow. still does it. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> she's like, I want to want to hit, I want to win that house. Never do, never I do. I know, that's the thing. Now, that's the thing. When I did it, it was like, win a bus pass, win some sweets. Now it's like, you could win your salary win a for a year. Win a new life. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but winning a, a year's bus pass now would be pretty good. I know, it'd be, be thrilled. Really lucrative, wouldn't it? would be pretty good. Genuinely so you're winning all this stuff. You're suddenly like winning competition this... queen. Yeah, so competition queen. Um, and then I applied. There was this thing that was on, because CBBC used to watch it all the time. There was this thing called CBBC Talent, which was this initiative. And they had this TV show called... Um, it was called Serious Jungle and it was dressed up as a conservation. So, oh, we're going to take kids to the Malaysian jungle. And it's going to be about nature. And I was like, That's, that sounds cool. I applied and I got it. And I was what? like, I'm f- can I swear? I can swear, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. I was like, You're a good company, babe. <laughs> good. I was fucking terrified. I'd never been on a plane. I didn't have a passport. I was 14 at the time. Where did you have to go? We went to Malaysia. Malaysia. Oh, Malaysia. Sorry, we went to the, bo- we went to the Bornean <laughs> jungle. I was like holding an orangutan going, what the fuck is... My mum, trying <laughs> to explain that to my mum. Also, because I, I had to have a guardian with me. I couldn't just go off to these auditions. And like when I got to like the finals, we had to go to Cumbria and do like an adventure week. Explaining that to my cleaner mum, I was like, mum... <laughs> You have to come with me because I'm going to go to Cum- Cumbria. She's like, where's that? I was like, I don't know. But we have to go there and then maybe I might get into this TV show where I have to go to Malaysia. She was like, where's that? And I was like, I don't know. And then I'm going to be like helping orangutans. And she's like, what are those? I was like, they're cute monkeys. And so we went and then I got the news that I was going to be on the show, was getting like a malaria jab, staring at my mum like, this has got, like I felt, this has gone too far. I feel far. like there's a movie here, Susan. Have you written? You need to write this. <laughs> Some terrified kid just on a plane going. What did what your mum? Did your mum go? Yeah, okay, cool. Off you go. Off you trot. I mean, by that point, I'd really carved out a niche of being a weirdo. So she was just like, right, I yes. guess this fits into your weird life. But it was strange because we did a TV show and it went out on CBBC. I became like mini famous at school. And then, like, we were going to places like BBC Television Studio, which I'd never been to before, but seen on TV. And then, like, our exec, Marshall, he really took a shine to me. And so, like, when I said, oh, you know, what is an edit? I don't know what an edit is. So he let me, um, like, sit in in the edit and, like, watch how it's all put together. And that was kind of where I 
learned about like it wasn't acting but it was just media and I thought oh I want to I want to get a job where I get to go to BBC TV Centre I just wanted to like work for the BBC I didn't know doing what I didn't really know and then I found like this little leaflet in our music block which was for because at the at that time I will say like from when was I St. Saviour's from 1999 um is when I started Around that time and around the area, there were loads of initiatives for young kids. There were loads of things, loads of clubs. There was this thing around the corner called Connections where you could literally go in and you could get counselling, you could get help with, like, you know, um, your studies or if you're doing any applications for jobs. Like, all this stuff was around. They don't exist now. None of this stuff exists. Yeah, right. That was Labour then, wasn't it? Labour government. It was Labour. I'm a Labour kid. I'm a education, education, Tony Blair before he fucked it up. Like, that is (laughs) me. Right. Sunny, 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 sunny days. So there was this thing called um, Saturday Live, which was a Saturday drama group that was run by English National Opera. And you did, like, one hour of dance, one hour of singing, one hour of drama. And I just thought, oh, like, I guess I could do that. So I'll apply... And if I enjoy it, then I'll do it. And that's kind of how I'd, I applied. I got in yeah. and I was like, oh, I'm quite good at this. And then everyone told me that I was quite good at it. And I was like, okay, I'll be an actor. That's how it happened. And that's how it starts for most working class kids, doesn't it? It's stumbling into something yeah. and then, and but being having the opportunity, it's the opportunity and it's a starting point that we yeah. all need to talk about. And it's just, it feels so impossible now. Oh, like I, when I think like... I, I, I do think I... I, I'm almost certain I wouldn't be an actor if I was, yeah, you know, I, that age 100%. now. It, none of the things exist. Like regardless the entry of whether, points. yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. There's been a lot of things that have been in the way and that I've had to overcome in order to do the job that I do. That Labour government, you know, regardless of what you think yeah. of Labour now or whatever, that Labour government at that time, there was opportunities Hope. coming out of our ears. And it didn't have to be to do with drama. It was just having clubs and things. And I yeah. remember that. I was Places surrounded to go. by that. Places to go. Yeah. Places to go. Is it at that, um, what did you call it, Saturday Live? Saturday, Saturday, Saturday Live. I love Shit, that. It sounds that's... really cool. It sounds like a... Like the minute a, we finish this, I'm Googling it. It sounds like a TV show for <laughs> kids does. on a Saturday morning, isn't it? Did you... Um, was it there that you heard about RADA and... Yeah. Drama schools in general. Yeah. So I didn't know about drama schools, never heard of it. And it was there that I heard about. Um, so we had a singing teacher. <laughs> this is funny. Claim to fame. The singing teacher, which was a young Gareth Malone. So Gareth Malone did the choir, all of this, all of that stuff. This is before he got into the um Oh, how of music. amazing. So he was like a baby. And it was teaching all these like young wow. brown, like it was completely diverse, the group of us, but loads of like brown kids about opera. And we were just like, we just want to sing Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Gareth, but. <laughs> no, Gareth. But, and he was just like, no, not you. So he would teach us music. And then uh, this amazing woman called Maria would teach us drama and she's like one of my best friends now. And it was her. She was the one who was like, you're really good. You're like really good. Have you heard about drama school? You should apply. And Gareth as well was like, you should apply. They were explaining to me all these different schools. They're in London, so you don't have to leave. Like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's that's great. Um, And so that's where I sort of just learned about all of that stuff. And then they told me about National Youth Theatre, I applied, I got into that. And so I'd spend summers because 
that was Saturday Live was during term time. So then in the summers, I would go off and do shows. Again, a lot of it was in London. And then we had some projects that were outside of London. And I would go off in the summer and I would do that. So it was a mix of those two things that made me go, oh, actually, I really... I really want to do this and I think I'm I'm good. So then um, I had to take a year out after school to raise money to uh, to apply for drama school because like you say, you have to pay for the auditions. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's mad now because that was cheap then. <laughs> yeah, That right. was cheaper than it is now to apply. But I had, mm. yeah, I went to go and work at Madame Tussauds <laughs> and raise <sighs> money choice. so I could apply for drama school and like buy all the, you know, monologue books and hang out at the National Theatre bookshop and just go sure. over everything. Looking clever. Everywhere. Looking clever with my glasses. Mm. <laughs> my glasses and my terrible eyesight. And, um, and yeah, so that, yeah, it was those two things. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you're saying like you're going into all those places and, you know, finding a monologue, did you yeah. feel like out of place or did you feel like these places felt really... I don't know, like, I know I would have felt like that going into the, 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 that the National Book Library or wherever yeah. and going, oh, dear, I, you know, I don't think, feel like I belong here. I still feel like that when I walk into the National yeah. now and I bloody work there. I still yeah. like I don't belong there. Um, yeah. But how did it all feel, like, walking into RADA the first time? And I, I think this is where, like, being a Londoner was really cool. So, like, with the National, because that's on the South Bank. So I was just like, that's my end. Like, that's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That belongs to us. 
So when I swanned in there, even though it took a very long time before I actually went in the building, but like when I got there, I was like, yeah, I can literally walk home. This is my manner. Like you can't yeah, tell yeah, me anything. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd be like, I don't understand there's so many books. And the staff were always <laughs> yeah. really lovely. I remember that. They were always, I would just say, I haven't got a clue. And they were really lovely to me. So I loved, I loved that. But what we did do, when I did eventually do drama at school and I did like A-level drama, our teacher, Mark Pattenden, who was a nutter, um, he would say, <laughs> he would book out all these shows at the National and we would go to all of them. So that was wow. when I first went what, to National. What, would he pay for them? Yeah. He'd pay for them, is it? Yeah. Wow, what a guy. So then we would all go en masse and I remember we would all get like dressed up. <laughs> We get all really oh, dressed up to go oh. to the national, and like most of it, we didn't like. But that was how it, it was because he wanted us to <laughs> to to feel like we belonged in those buildings. So we would regularly go. It didn't have to be part of the curriculum. Didn't have to be something that we discussed at school. It was just like we're all going to the theatre, and so that I think was the thing that made me feel more comfortable in those buildings. Like I didn't belong. I would sort of remind myself, this is my city. Like. No, no, no. I love that. I can be in these buildings. And did Rada feel the same? Did you think, yeah, this is in my city no. and I've earned my place? No. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not so much, I, no. I sort of like bopped in the first day. It's and a I was posh like, building <gasps> though, isn't it? Yeah, that building is like, what the fuck? People like acting here? Acting here. Yeah, it's like a museum. Well, from what I can remember, I might have made it up in my It's like the bit. front of it. It's got like um, the, these two statues and it says the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And it is very kind of looming. <laughs> no. And I remember I, on my first day, I met up with um, another actress called Alexandra Roach, who's one of my best friends. Oh, I and, love her. Um, She's amazing. And we, uh, we sort of met, we got on the bus and then we like stood outside and we literally walked through the doors together. We were like, oh, oh my God, here we go, here we go. But it was just one of those things where it did feel like the rest of London outside and then you walk through these doors and then you're in some kind of like capsule of of something else and it was it took me a long time to did I ever feel fully like I belonged there no but I I think quite a lot of people felt that I think a Mm -hmm. very small you know percentage of people walk into Rada and feel like they absolutely belong yeah and and do you feel like they embraced your working classness or did they try to rinse it out of you I was definitely I don't know what it's like now but when I was there, the big focus was on voice, your voice, mm-hmm. which makes sense. If you're doing a play eight times a week, yeah, sure, your voice is going to be absolutely mashed if you don't know how to look after it. You know, I've done yeah, yeah. plays where I've had to be screaming and crying. If you don't know how to look after your voice, you'll ruin your voice. You'll get hurt yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So all that stuff is really, really valid. But the thing that I found very difficult was there was so much emphasis on received pronunciation, which is RP, which is basically yeah. a posh accent. <sighs> which for sure. me is an it's an accent. It's like being able to do a Scottish ac- accent. It's sure, like being 100%. able to do, you know, that's what it is. But the kind of centre of it was of our training was we need to get you to a neutral because you you've. Um, you've acquired all these different habits and you know actors have their little ticks and their little things that they rely on and what we're trying to do is strip you of all of that you have to be the neutral actor that you know sort of you know level one grade one actor and from there we'll build you up and all of that stuff 
My issue was who is that grade one, level one actor? Who is that genesis? Who is that beginning? Because they don't look like me. They don't have the same body shape as me. They don't have Mm. the same voice as me. They don't come. And I felt that that neutral was a a white man, basically. A posh white man. That was what that, that sort of untampered with actor was. And whether so the teachers yeah. were whether the teachers were directly aware of that or whether they were just teaching what they've always taught, I kept going, this doesn't allow for your uniqueness. And it's no. actually saying that everything that has happened to you, everything that you've experienced before is not useful. And one of the the one class that made me go, Oh, this is bullshit, is Alexander Technique, which we had quite a lot so this is basically your posture um it's about helping you get as much uh, lung capacity so that you can bloody you know hit it hit it all the way and to you the can back. have a bit of a lie down can't you it's you can lovely. have a bit of a lie down a little bit of you're like, <laughs> like oh yes one. it's basically a massage um, i used to fall asleep things. all the time yeah me yeah. too always always lovely lovely but i remember one session right i was lying on my front and uh uh, one of our teachers was like trying to smooth my lower back because she was like, oh, you're holding a lot of tension in your lower back. I was like, am I? She's like, yeah, a lot of tension. It's like you're arching your back. And I just went, oh, no, that's my bum because I yeah. got a big batty because I got a big bum. Yeah. And she was like, no, you're holding it. You're hold. You're arching. I was like, no, that's, that's my shape. My shape. Like yeah. I'm from african nigerian descent like some of us a lot of us have you know a bit of a curve and she was like really trying to like knead my oh, bum into my back out of you yeah <laughs> yeah oh my and God. that's when i was like oh okay so i've got to learn how to get all that lung capacity knowing that my back doesn't basically merge into my ass <laughs> which you know I'm quite happy that it doesn't. But that was like the yeah. real moment that I thought, oh, they're actually trying to change something that is just my body. And so wow. I have mm. to take some of the things that they say about who that neutral actor is with a massive like bag of salt because it's not all of it. It's not designed for me. So With all the yeah. technique in the world, you ain't never going to be a white, posh, no. old white man, no. are you? Do you know no. what I mean? And nor would any of those no. things be no. what you bring to the table. Or no, who'd no. Who'd want to? Who'd want to be that? <laughs> who'd want to? And that's not what I wanted. I didn't, I, you know, and I think that one of the things, when I say the discernment was going, you do get told, like, what you should want to do. Sure. Uh, what yeah. you should want to play, you know, going mm. to the RSC and playing this character and that character. And some people, oh my God, some people were gagging for it. And some people in my ear absolutely did it. I just, I preferred doing Shakespeare when I was doing youth theatre, when I was doing it at school. There was just something about drama school that absolutely took out the love that I had yes. for it. And I think the yeah. fearlessness, like the attack yeah. of it, I just lost it because I was like, oh, there's like a way you're meant to do it. And I just, my thing is like, as long as you can hear me, like fucking do what you want. And yeah. I, it just, it really muddied it for me. So I had to really Such kind a shame, of... shame, isn't it? Yeah. I think at its worst, drama school, that's a story we hear a lot. And I hear with, you know, in rehearsal rooms all the time, like drama school can really knock the love out of you. Mm-hmm. And something is awry. 
when that's what's happening in yeah. those institutions that it's actually taking young people with passion and you know raw talent and actually going what you have is not the right thing it's not yeah. the right commodity you must change yeah. and actually you know and so many people leave drama school having to rediscover their passion oh, for yeah, what yeah. they went rediscover in with. Rediscover their passion, rediscover themselves. And I know that I needed to go to drama school because there were tons of stuff that I did learn. Like the biggest thing I'd say is like all the tools that you have, like all the voice exercises and all of that. And then some of the like the Stanislavski stuff and all of that sort of like actors training and personalization and all those sort of things. Those things are really, really useful when you have a bad fucking day when you get yeah. some news yeah. and you've got to go on stage yes. and you've got nothing in the tank and you can't connect mm. and you've just got to pull it out of the bag because the audience do not give a shit that's where all of that stuff that I learned I was like oh sure, that's yeah, how you repeat it makes you hardy yeah. and that's the thing that I love about my training you yeah. came out that training and you sort of there you are in sort of like thrown back out the doors of Raja in the like bright light of London again. What what was your first job and what how did your career get going? Well, my first job was a CBB full circle CBBC show called Hotel Trouble. Amazing. <laughs> All that training you end up back. All that training and I'm doing CBBC. I was just like, right. Okay. And I was taken over from an actress um who'd uh, got an ill and so, again, all this, like, Stanislavski and, you know, writing your character's biography, they were yeah, like, bye-bye. what name do you want your character be, to be called? What's your measurements? <laughs> Where'd that go? And I was like, oh. And did you have did you have an agent, Suze? Did you get one out of... I did. Uh, Rada? Right. Yeah. And this was the first job? Yeah, this is my first job. I got an agent right at the end. Right, right, right at the end. I think... That amazes me. That just amazes yeah, me. Yeah, no, I would get things like... A couple of agents would stop me after a show and say that I was very good. They thought that was really good. And then like, I would never hear from them. Blimey. And I knew what that meant because I knew what that meant. It meant like, you are good, but like we couldn't sell you and you wouldn't work. Like I knew that. What would we do with you? What would we do with you? Yeah. Too hard work. So what you say, so you're knocking back around at CPBC. <laughs> What's what sort of in your mind, what would you say was like a, a break for you? A moment that was like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a game changer here. I would say it was a job, which is quite sweet, actually, because, Michelle, this includes you, mate. Michelle, your producer. Um, it was actually a job called Bluestone 4-2 that I did. Yeah. Because it was, like, my very first recurring character. But from what I remember, I could be wrong, I don't think she was meant to be a recurring character. I think she was only meant to be in one or two episodes, and then they ended up being in three. And I flew out to South Africa with the team and this was like the third series so they were very kind of all established and stuff and it was just the first time that I was able to get my teeth into a character for more than just a day basically yeah and I'd always loved comedy like as a punter so me not being an actor if I had to choose what to watch it would always be comedy and I'd always been told that I was funny and I definitely felt that at drama school and all of that. But it wasn't, I didn't say that I was going to, I went to RADA, I didn't go to RADA to become a comedian, which is really funny because the other person in my year is Daisy Mae Cooper, 
same thing. Yeah, I was so, going to say, I was going to say. Yeah, but then like comedy was just, that was like the door that, that sort of opened that all up. And then I started doing like tons of comedy after Bluestone. That was like the big, yeah, the big sort of like, um, and also I got to go abroad and I got to have a really good time. And, you know, when else was I going to go to Cape Town? And there I was doing like this job with really great people who knew the area. So I, it felt very sort of a like a lived-in thing and fun, really fun. And what did your mum feel about all of this? <laughs> exactly like, I was going to say, like, say, what yeah. did your mum go to any RADA shows and no. like, how did all that feel like? No, did... it was, it was quite. Um, and this is a story. This is very like common, I'd say, for a lot of children of of, of West African parents. Um, very Billy Elliot, where your parents don't want you to do this. And like I said before, because I was clever at school acting pretending yeah sure. <laughs> sitting up straight yeah. um my parents were convinced i'd be a doctor they're abs- why they right. thought that i had very sort of middling <laughs> science results but well, they were convinced. wonderful posture of course yeah, yeah it's because she's got a good back so um <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm just a doctor but um so even when i did the saturday drama group I had to do that very quietly. Mm. I had to sneak out. Did you? You know, sneak out of home on a Saturday morning. Where I was, like, all my other friends were sneaking out to do bad shit. I was like, mm, you know, I would go and be a treat. Like, that's what I was doing. <laughs> and I knew instinctively to keep this on the D-low. Yeah, yeah. And then similarly, I have an older sister who um, had always shown really amazing talent for singing. And there's something about music and singing that's like an, a, a very immediate thing. Like you mm-hmm. say, I can sing, you sing, and everyone goes, you can sing. So that sort of made yes. sense. So it's kind yeah. of like the creative artist slot had been taken. Yeah. And so I knew I have to keep this really quiet. Even when I picked GCSE drama, my dad was like, why? Why are you doing that? And so I had to pick double science as well to like oh, be gosh. like, no, I do want to do science. Double, double of it. Like, I love love science, yeah. which is so annoying. So then, yeah, I just knew that I had to keep it really quiet. Even when I applied for RADA, I kept it really quiet. I said to my parents that I was saving money for me to go to um, university and they thought I was being really clever. And then, and I've told this story a few times, I, I applied for RADA in secret and I got in mm. and wow. I didn't tell anyone. And then they sent a fucking letter Going like, congratulations. And my dad opened it. And that's how he found out that I got into drama school. And was he furious? Furious. Wow. He was furious. And he said that if I'm going to train at drama school, that I couldn't live at home. So I had to to move out. No way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't live at home the whole time. Oh, my God. So So the one thing that was like the real benefit of going to drama school in London, like having a home base that was here and you have to move out. Yeah, I had to move out. And so... It was my uh, Saturday Live drama teacher, Maria, Maria Leaf. I told her about this and she said, okay, come and live with me. So I stayed with her. And Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a lot. It was, yeah, it was a lot. And Of course. There there was something that I found out a few, not that long ago, a few years ago, where, because I did think, God, she was so, she always really liked me and I was clearly a favourite, but she was, she was so fast to be open with her home and I remember thinking god that was really really kind and now that I'm older and we're just we're friends she does see me as her daughter but like we're friends and she's working class she's from Leeds 
and she teaches in loads of different schools around London. And so when we were talking about that time, she said, yeah, what used to happen is before you would turn up, because the place where we did Saturday Live was at a school called St. Marlebone, which is a state school, but it's, it's kind of fancy. It's a fancy state school. And, um, but they have great drama f- facilities, like amazing drama facilities. And so I used to travel from Elephant and Castle, 453 bus, which I would always bunk because I didn't have money, all the way to <laughs> literally Marlebone. So it would be a long hour. And as I would travel, my dad used to ring up Saturday Live and he used to, God rest his soul, he's not with us anymore, but he used to like hurl abuse at them because he was just like, oh, wow. you with your new age, dramery, pagan wow, okay. crap. And say all wow. this stuff, then I would turn up like, hi. And I, they and never kept, mentioned. And she kept that from you. Oh, wow. She kept that from me until... I think like maybe it was maybe four years ago she mentioned it. She was like, oh, yeah, your dad used to call in. So we all knew that you were in an environment that wasn't supporting this, which is why we were all like, drama school, have you heard? I did think like they're doing the most. And it's because they knew that people at home didn't support it. So it's been really odd, my career and that relationship. Yeah, your dad's really obviously odd. saying like your dad's no longer with us. But did he live long enough to see you become successful? What did he think about as it obviously became clear that this was a really viable career for yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, he passed away uh, two years, twenty twelve. So like two years um, okay. after I graduated, and I, I got my first film. Um, which I was able to tell him about, and it was being shot in Nigeria. Wow. And so when I told him, I've got this film and it's being shot in Nigeria, and I'd never been to Nigeria before because we could never afford it. Like The sort of dream is that your parents take you to Nigeria so that you can see your ancestry, and we just could never afford it. And so I got this job that, kind of similar to the Bluestone 4-2 thing in terms of like you get a job and it takes you somewhere, which is amazing that you would never go to. I got my very first film and it was being filmed in Nigeria and really close to where my parents are from. So I feel like that news made him go, oh, wow. Like that's where it can, it can take you home. This job, this profession that I thought was so other and, you know, scary. And he was like a super Christian guy. That's why he was like, they're all evil. All they do is sleep with each other. And I'm like, (laughs) that is true. That is true. That's true. That that is very true. true. That does happen. But less blood rituals like that's yeah. than you that's, might imagine that's yeah. a bit less, <laughs> less a bit sacrifice less. bit more like yeah, yeah yeah a bit more sex so yeah being able to tell him that I've got this job that is you know it was based on the book Half of Yellow Sun which is about the Biafran war it's about the history of, of Nigeria mm. was like a big thing wow. for him um and but <laughs> the kind of uh, I've, I've spoken about this before as well but um the day I arrived in Nigeria, he passed away. So he didn't get to see it. But there definitely was in knew. those in those two years. I think, like, he was just quietly looking at me going, she's never, she's not asking me for help because I'm very proud. Very, a very working class as well, mm. isn't it? It's like, I am suffering. I will not ask for help. I will ask help. no one. <laughs> I, will, yeah. I will suffer through Can't this. even borrow a pound, babe. Can't borrow no, a pound. Can't, can't borrow even borrow a pound. pound. Can't even so do it. So he's just quietly watching me. And I think that, there definitely was him kind of going, oh, you know, I've spoken to your aunt and she told me that you were in Holby C. I was like, yeah, 
And he's like, why didn't you say? And I was like, because I've had to really unlearn that thing where you need people's approval. Because mm. throughout drama school, I just, I desperately wanted to, you know, do what other people were doing and go home for Christmas and, you know, have their, oh, you know, graduation was just the most painful I bet, thing I bet. and like third year shows where you know parents would be there with flowers and and I just never had any of that in fact my dad did come and see one show and uh he just oh my god because I had to kiss this guy in it and he was just like oh, what no. I told you you all having sex and I was like not with him <laughs> with him <laughs> get it right <laughs> one guy um, yeah, that was like a complete yeah. disaster. But I mean, God, if he was alive now and he saw cheaters, oh, <laughs> oh well, yeah. Like, I mean, he'd no. lose his shit. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he wouldn't love it. But yeah, so it was. It was really it, that was difficult because you do. There is a bit of you that does want their approval, but he just. That was the thing. I had to learn to not want that because it was too painful to want it. Yeah. So I would start, I started my career and I would just go off and do jobs and they'd always hear from an aunt or hear from somebody that I'm in this and like, why don't you tell us? And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't yes. tell you and get you in the wrong mood and you not support me because it hurts. I kind of just need to do, go off and do my own thing. And that to this day yeah. is how I don't really tell I don't really tell people apart from Instagram what I'm in. Like, if you want to know what I'm in, just go on my Instagram like, and I'll tell you and please watch. Like, that's great. But otherwise, it's kind of just my... I, I guess it's also protecting yeah. my love for it and not making it anybody's business and trying not to have... I think um, that's really healthy, though. Yeah. I think it's actually really healthy to not... to, to It's your thing. Yeah. And it doesn't... It doesn't matter what other people think. That must take so much pressure and give you so much freedom as an actor. Yeah. Obviously, we can't keep you forever. And there's so much more I want to cover. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. Um, we, we always ask our guests about, obviously, now all of us are coming at this from a place of privilege and yeah. our guests say different things all the time. Mm. Um, do you still feel, I know our life now, we've all got a bit more money, you're comfortable. Yeah. I saw that you... Yeah. Uh, I think you brought your own home, didn't I you, did. and stuff? I saw I that because did. I was like, I didn't even know you, and I saw on Instagram, I'm like, go on, girl, yeah, she's did. bought her own place. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we're all coming at this from a place of privilege now. Do you still feel working class? Do you still consider yourself working class? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I also feel like I am. This is going to sound really grand, but I also feel like I'm the the dream of my ancestors. Like, I can't imagine you know, that they would have thought that this would be possible, me talking to you from my own home. Mm. So I I feel immense pride of the journey that I took, but also I feel very I feel I feel very privileged because like I said, there were all these things as a kid when mm. I was growing up everywhere. So it's really weird. I don't I don't necessarily go working class means no opportunities because I was really lucky when I was a kid, like there were things like, of course there were, God, I could go into all the things that, that weren't great, but yeah, yeah, places to go. My imagination was being fired mm. up. I didn't need, you know, these weren't things that needed tons and tons and tons of funding. It was just a hall. Most of these halls are bloody gone now. Yeah. It was just a space. It was a room. It was some time. And, you know, teachers who weren't, 
you know, destitute and could give that extra hour after school. Yeah. So I feel, of course, I do feel working class, but I feel incredibly lucky and I feel very heartbroken for people who are children, like young people mm. who are working class now, to be honest. So it's kind mm. of like weird. I do still feel it, but I, I feel like I'm, I've, I've been very, very, very lucky. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do. I do uh, have a cardo. Yeah, I do at a cardo shop. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like Law said, honestly, we could probably do like four episodes just talking to you. I feel like we've no. just got to your first we'll do job. A bonus and set. Bonus, bonus set. Yeah. But uh, we like to end every episode by asking our guests. Like, obviously, we've just started in celebrating all the amazing things that you've achieved. Mm. But if you could take a moment to celebrate or. Uh, mention somebody who's a working class hero of yours who would that person be uh that person would be I've mentioned her a few times Maria Leaf who was my Saturday live drama teacher um ah I probably will actually cry (laughs) um she she sounds wonderful she's amazing she's the funniest person like Sometimes I can't take it to theatre because she'll be like, that shit. And I'm like, shh, 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 shh. Hey, I, know, I know these people now. I know them now. And she'd be like, sounds that was like, shit. Sounds did. like us at the theatre. Oh, I know. <laughs> but she's amazing. She was the very first person who, like, saw me. I thought I was completely and thoroughly ordinary, which I sort of do still now. But she is, like, delusional in her belief in me <laughs> to this day. I'll tell her something like you know, Maria, I was a bit of a dick to this person. She was like, no, that person was a dick. You're right. You are right. You're always right. You're the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, I just, I feel like we need some nuance. And she'll be like, no, you're amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And do you know what? To have somebody in your corner like that, of course she has some nuance, but to have someone in your corner like that, and she's been like that since I was 13. I'm 35 now. Who just thoroughly completely wholly believes in me sees me understands me is just like you know most people go through their whole lives and they don't find somebody who believes in them that much yeah and she's still in my corner and she's I just adore her and the things that she's doing in the schools that she works in and the and the kids that she's working with and seeing them transform like this wasn't a one-off like she's no. No, right. she's in it. And she's, she's doing that person. it. She's, she's that person, person, isn't she? And there's yeah. a litany of us kids wow. who are now adults that she's changed their life. So Maria Leaf, that's what the woman. a wonderful woman. She's yeah. I've, I've got to beat this one. She sounds incredible. incredible. Well, we're celebrating Maria as well as you today, Susan. Thank you so much for coming on. Amazing. You've Thank been you. Such a great guest. No and, um, Thank you so much for having me. And good luck with the play. Thank you. Yeah, the play. Is, I it, mean, is there is there sex in that? Do we think? Um, is there sex in there, that? It is sexy. Oh dear. There's a little bit of sexiness. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm not coming then. Are you not coming? <laughs> That's all right then. No. That's all right. That's all I right. I mean, where even is Chichester? <laughs> I'd, it's like Sussex 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 it oh, is Sussex I had to check posh. yesterday oh listen sounds posh I'm out I'm good <laughs> listen I am there with my cardo see you there see you later <laughs> oh, thank you so much thank Thanks, you for darling. having me All take right. care bye, bye. Oh my God. What, do you know what? That's probably, I'd say that's one of the most moving mm. of all that, like that story and having that drive to do all of that when you've got like, I mean, I'm sure her family wonderful. They sound wonderful, but to just not understand 
that part so much part of her and um thank god for maria that's what's god for maria i know and it's it's all those people along the way that well you need those people don't you it's it's, absolutely impossible she's so brilliant and wonderful and i I, yeah i'm gonna have some of that attitude like you know it's just all for me and you know yeah doing it for myself doing it for myself i love that well that's it Welcome great first to, the, week. to the third series. How exciting. What a way to kick it off. What are you doing now, Han? I'm going back to rehearsals, darling, for the theatre. Oh, for the theatre. For oh, the theatre. You get going. With one of our past guests, actually, with the amazing Debris Stevenson. So oh, yes. I get to spend six weeks in a room with her every day. And let me tell you, wow. that is as about as inspiring as, as you can get. So lucky me. Oh, my God. Well, that's it for the first week. Um, it's what a cracker, eh? Um, join us next week for a brand new guest. And remember, guys, till then, as always, keep it classy. The Proper Class podcast is produced by Michelle Farscott for Rangaby Productions, edited by James Torrance, with music by Tommy Music. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Spread the word. Tell your friends, neighbours, whoever will listen. We've also got an Instagram page. Ooh, get us. And you can follow all the news and goss at The Proper Class Podcast. And if you haven't nodded off yet, we've also gone and got ourselves an official email. So do get in touch. The email is properclasspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, folks. And remember, keep it classy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.